Hello, Stephanie. Hello, Camille. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Um, I'm excited to have Simone Otis on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with her again. I mean, we speak to her a lot, but it's not usually in a structured format. So yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, Simone Otis is a founding team member of 1999 Beauty, and she's also a Toronto-based makeup artist uh, who works in editorial makeup. She works uh, on fashion shows. Um, she's worked with several celebrities in uh, Toronto, New York, and Paris, and she's just uh, a really amazing makeup artist, and we're so happy and lucky to be able to work with her. Yeah, and Simone... We actually interviewed Simone before the brand launched, and one thing that she said to us that has really stuck with me is with her daughter. Her, she's a 10-year-old daughter, Suvi, who she said that she tries to focus, like not tell Suvi she's beautiful or focus on her looks and not in a way that like she tells Suvi she's not beautiful at all, but to really build her daughter's confidence and sort of identity apart from her looks, which I think really speaks to how Simone approaches makeup and how that aligns with what we are trying to create with 1999. So we're excited to share our interview with Simone today and we hope you enjoy. Hi, Simone. Hi, guys. So nice to see you. Well, see and talk to you. You too. We're excited to chat with you again, take you through some (laughs) questions we have. Excellent. I always love talking. So here we go. Um, So to start, we would love if you could tell us a bit about yourself and your path to becoming a makeup artist. Uh, So it definitely wasn't my plan, uh, as I've told you guys before, and uh, anyone who asked me that question, because people do seem to be very interested in how people end up in makeup, specifically working behind the scenes for fashion shows or uh, celebrity photo shoots and all that kind of stuff, the kind of stuff that I do. It is a weird world that... I don't think people knew there was a path to. I certainly didn't. I was a, and I still am, a a very nerdy person, very interested in science and math and uh, reading. And my, I I didn't know this, your mom was going to be a lawyer. I don't know how I didn't know that. (laughs) That's so weird because, you know, her and I have been friends for over 20 years. But anyway, that's what I was planning to do. I was headed to law school and kind of had a um, a crisis epiphany or however you want to call it because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I definitely was idealistic and very naive and I was going into the idea of being a lawyer with obviously as a good job, but uh, help people change the world, all those kinds of things. And it was really not that. And I felt crushed because it felt like my whole life I'd been heading towards that. And a straight A student, the daughter of immigrants, like you have to work hard. You have to either, your choices are doctor or lawyer, you know, and I chose <laughs> lawyer. So um, that summer I was working at a law office, helping to do some clerking and 
you know, getting, I was, that's all my life was, was either school or, or trying to be a lawyer. Sorry, were you in, was this in, were you already in law school or were you sort of on your way there? I was on my way. Okay. I was uh, okay. about to write the exams for it. And I, I don't know, I guess, luckily in other ways, now that I look back, I think, you know, everything is a good path. It's what happens along it and what you do. But I do feel lucky that I really, I just one day was going to work and thought, I can't do this. By the time I had left my house and got to work, which was probably about 40 minutes at the most, I had decided I was going to quit. And I was 18 or 19 at the time. And I went to the head of the firm and I said, I can't do this. This is not for me. And I was very lucky. I don't even... I, I wish I had said something to him, but an older man, very successful, head of the firm, very wealthy, you know, big authority to me at the time said, you know what, why don't you just take some time off? We see a lot of potential in you. Um, why don't you just take the summer off? And that was a huge thing for me. I didn't know it at the time. But every step I took from that moment in the back of my head was, it doesn't matter what I do. I have this law firm that's interested and sees potential in me. So I could like totally fuck up doing whatever I was doing. I still had this job, uh, which was so powerful because I left the office. I looked in the local now magazine for uh, something to do because I knew when I got home, my mother was going to go, what are you doing? You're throwing your life away. Are you crazy? So I got a job as a receptionist at a hair salon. It just seems so crazy. Like, wow. Like that just seems first easy. And second, like the craziest, most freeing thing I could do. And it was a huge thing because at the time the hair salon was a place, the, this place that I ended up working at, I went for the interview, obviously got the job. They were a place where a lot of people who were photographers and um, in the fashion industry, videos, music videos, people like that were going to this place to get their hair cut. So I was surrounded by these people and I thought, you know, it kind of brought me back to when I was much younger and interested in how people uh, appear, like how they make their choices in their hair, their makeup, their clothing. And I would, I, it was kind of like a, a weird joggling of a memory. And I was right in the thick of all these really cool, interesting people. And I was very interested and thought, okay, what's going on here? I want to be a part of this somehow. And it doesn't matter what I say or do, or I'm still going to be a lawyer. So every step I took was a risk. It was something I would have never done because every choice I'd made in the past was, is this going to get me an A? And does this help me be a lawyer? Now I was, I really don't care. Like I watched people cutting hair and I thought, can I learn how to cut hair? That seems so crazy. I asked them and they said, well, if you bring a model, sure, you can, you know, the Wednesday after work classes will teach you how to cut hair. So I started doing that for fun. And then I started hearing about people working on music videos, doing hair and makeup. And I thought, that's crazy. That seems so like 
fun and, you know, no pressure. Um, but then somebody asked me to do a video and I thought, sure, why not? I can do hair for a video. I'm, I, I have brushes. <laughs> like it didn't seem like <laughs> a big deal. And then they liked me and asked if I could also do the makeup. And I said, sure. I literally went to Shoppers Drug Mart and got a bunch of makeup and thought I can do my own makeup. I can do your makeup. Um, At this point, had you been experimenting a lot with your own makeup? Had you, did you do like your friend's makeup or was this really just a... No. So when I was, when I was much younger, before I got serious about, okay, law school and that's going to happen, I, I did spend, um, you know, maybe from 13 on, I was very interested in alternative like goth and, um, but I didn't really participate as much as I had really wanted to in my heart of hearts. I was very interested in all that you know, history of <clears throat> beauty and fashion and makeup. And I liked the 20s. I liked the 60s. I liked looking at pictures. I liked, you know, fashion photography and, you know, the kind of the language that it was telling me something about people, you know. So then when this started happening, I thought, well, there's got to be a school because that's my way. Like, how, is there a school for hair and makeup? And of course there is, and they're very expensive and accomplished places. And I thought, well, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. By luck, there was a condensed two-week fashion makeup course that I thought, okay, I can afford that. And I can afford that amount of time. I took that. The guy in the class was, the guy teaching the class was um, very blunt. Um, At the end of the course, he said, all of you in the class, there was about 12 or 13 of us, are terrible, except Simone. She's very good. I think she could do this. And I was like, well, that's all I really wanted to hear because I I wanted to know, like, what are the parameters here? I still had that idea of there's A to F. What do you get here? Like, how how do you win at this? So hearing that gave me some impetus. Then I started hearing about people had portfolios of their work and I thought okay well what's that how do you get that I started like cold calling photographers that I'd heard about or heard through the salon started organizing uh, photo shoots (laughs) because I thought that's what you do I'd seen like I was very influenced by the face and ID and British Vogue and I loved you know those photo shoots and the things that were happening in them and the cultural Like I knew about London never having been there because of those magazines. And I thought, well, there's got to be something here. So then I uh, cold called, uh, I heard about this agency uh, that represented a very successful model called Shalom Harlow here in Toronto, who her, her mother agent was an agency who's still around called Sutherland's. So I called them and I said, I'm Simona Otis and I'm organizing a photo shoot and I'd like to come in and meet with you and talk to you about your models and see who would be good. I guess because I was so direct, like they, I went in, (laughs) they brought models to see me. I had my notepad and I took their cards. Like I was like, I didn't know. I would never do that now because I know better that 
you know, what, what right do I have? I don't have money to pay these people. But, you know, all of it really went back to me still having this idea that I'm just going to try. I'm not going to do anything that I had done in the past, which was so, I need to be perfect. This has to work. I'm just going to try. I'm going to explore it. I'm going to have fun. And that actually ended up being the greatest help I could have to having any kind of success. So that's where, that's my long story to how I ended up in this industry rather than being a lawyer. Hmm. And can you tell us what does makeup mean to you? Um, makeup means a lot to me in so many different ways. Um, I feel like, you know, overall makeup is such a powerful tool that doesn't get enough uh, basic accolades just for that alone. It, it, there's so many people, yeah, there's people who are makeup aficionados and they understand that and they're into it and they're obsessed with it. But just for the average person, it is such a powerful tool to make yourself feel better that you can use to, um, support how you're feeling or want to feel when you go out into the world. And I don't know exactly how to convey that to people, uh, except to try and keep showing it visually by doing it on faces and faces and faces. So there's that side of it that I feel like it's a powerful tool. I also feel it's such a fun um, thing that anyone has access to. Anybody can pick up any piece of makeup, color, foundation, you know, going into skincare, whatever it may be, and really uh, change how they feel. You know, it's, it's, and, the, and express yourself, which is so cool, right? Like you could do anything with it, really. And have you gone through um, different phases of makeup and experimentation? Um... On myself. On yourself, like throughout your career? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so like I said, for a while there, when I was really little and we first, uh, my my family moved into a neighborhood in Toronto that was predominantly Chinese and Korean, I was so taken aback by how beautiful I thought all of them were. And I was so different. Uh, I mean, I saw people on TV at that time were mostly the people that were called beautiful were blonde and skinny and blonde, not like me. I definitely look more European or different. I don't look all American. So it was the all American blonde girl that's very skinny and muscular somehow at the same time. Hmm. And then I was seeing all these kids in my classes who were Chinese and Korean with that beautiful, thick blue, black hair and beautiful porcelain skin. So I was like, well, where do I fit? I tried to look like both at different times. I tried to like whiten my skin a bit and make my eyebrows really straight and black <laughs> and dye my hair black. <laughs> and then later I went through a period of trying to be more tanned and, you know, blonde like full hair, <laughs> none of those things really fit me, um, but I'm glad I tried them, you know. And can you take us through your current beauty routine, morning and night? Well, everything is very different right now. Um, 
but like for this video or, or what we're doing today, I took the opportunity to do some makeup because at every point that I do have an opportunity during this COVID lockdown pandemic, I will take the opportunity to try some makeup because it is fun. And it is a time where I can do something by myself, for myself, that's kind of silly, but not, you know, I, so I did that today. But for most of the time, unless I am going to work on set, uh, it's a lot of skincare, a ton of skincare, day and night, <laughs> um, which I'm liking. That's kind of fun to do as well. But then when I go to work, I will do sort of a, um, you know, a light definition everywhere, whether it's a brown eyeliner, like a dark brown eyeliner and a little bit of cheek color, uh, filling in the brows. It's sort of like all over, you know, just so that I actually exist and not just one blank gray color. And with your artistry, this is going back a bit to the question before, but with your artistry, like, do you find that utilizing make like applying makeup to different people on different faces has sort of meant different things to you during different points of your career like you've related to that differently yes very much that's no one's ever asked me that before and it's funny because I was thinking about that earlier today that you know I think I've done makeup on thousands of faces now thousands and that's pretty like wow, I didn't even really think about that until this moment in time and how when I first started, makeup meant, I was really trying to impress, obviously, the person I'm putting the makeup on um, with how good, good I could do it um, and how good I can make them feel with the makeup on. But it had much more of, um, uh, I don't know how to say it. Like, I, I guess I was trying to see it. Like, I, had, I didn't understand. And I think that all makeup artists go through this, basically. And you have to do something over and over and over again until you find your stride with it, especially if you don't know the face. Like, I know my own face. I can do my makeup. I can I can skip a few steps to experiment further when I'm doing my own face because I know it. I've seen it in many different lights, um, many different iterations. But when I'm doing somebody brand new for the first time, especially back then, I wasn't uh, in tune with the idea that I have to really look at them. And it, that took me a while. Everyone's got their own way of getting to the point, being a makeup artist and how you get there. But I learned, um, don't just start doing it. First look, that was a really big step for me. Like I got so nervous and again, that wanting to be perfect and wanting, like I just started doing things, you know, and whatever was the thing. Now I really take time to look at the person and start looking when they move or when they're talking. And it doesn't have to be too long of a time, but actually really looking is powerful. Even to yourself, I would suggest that to people. Look at yourself in good light and with, um, what's a good way to say it? Like 
with happiness, with uh, positivity, like without looking at yourself and going, oh my God, my face is fat and it's sagging or whatever the hell we all do. Those <laughs> other things that you could say, like, and really say it. I think that is creates a big change and it gives you an opportunity to play and experiment and try things out that you might not have or that you always wanted to and like enjoy it a bit, you know, and then test it by going out into the world with it. So all that came from years and years and years of doing other faces and really trying to think about what am I doing here? Like what is, what's my what's my motive at the end of all this? And those little things that came along, like really look at somebody, I do really want the person, whoever it is for whatever it is, whether it's an advertising campaign or a celebrity or whatever, I want them to feel good. Even if the parameters are strange, like say we're doing a crazy story where the makeup is crazy, I still want the person to feel good in it, you know, and, and somehow not feel, uh, wow, I look crazy, you know, just that's the end of the story. It's got to be more to it, you know, like, oh, I look crazy and this is fun or, oh, um, I've never tried that before. You know, I can't wait to get this off, but at least I tried, you know, different things. And do you feel pressure to look a certain way? Oh, yes. Um, That's a funny question because I'm always telling people, you know, to feel good about themselves. And uh, it's, I think it's a journey, no matter what. And I hate that word, but it is true. It is a journey. Um, it meaning there's steps to it, you're never going to just be told something from even somebody you really uh, admire, and they're going to tell you, oh, you should feel this way, or you should think this way about it. You have to go through it, right. And I, everyone's is personal, too. I think it has to do with time, Like when I grew up, like I was saying, it wasn't, the media really did not show anybody that looked like me. So, and my mother was, you know, an immigrant from a a different time who she really did not, um, she didn't connect to thing, people, women being beautiful. It was just not like, she never told me or my sister that we're beautiful. It wasn't a thing. So it was a bit confusing, you know, like what is beautiful? I'm definitely don't look like any of those people. So I guess I'm just not, you know, Um, but, and then there's these other things, like when I first started doing makeup and I got some really great jobs and I was working with incredibly beautiful women, physically beautiful women that were just assholes. Like I, I would look at them and go, I'm so intimidated because you're so beautiful and I'm going to do your makeup and you're a terrible person. You're so angry and hateful and mean. That person now becomes so ugly to me. They really do. And it can't just be because you're nice, you're beautiful. You know, like I, I don't think there's that. I was trying to think about what makes me feel beautiful. And uh, it's kind of strange, but I think the thing that when I feel the most beautiful is when I'm laughing and having a good time with my daughter and my husband. And it's not a, it's not looking, it's not like looking at myself and going, oh, you're beautiful. It's a feeling, 
you know, I feel good. So I think that's the connection that we have to start striving for. Not, I need to look like JLo, which is what we're being told right now. The woman of my age, I'm supposed to look like JLo if I'm supposed to be beautiful, right? That's never going to happen. So is it over for me? That's it. I'll <laughs> crawl under a rock. So I disagree. I think that you have to find what actually inside makes you feel good. And the more that you can actually physically laugh and have a good time and look at things out of a positive lens, through a positive lens, uh, you will feel beautiful. You will. Going from what you said about your mom not connecting, essentially not putting any importance on beauty, which I think is a pretty amazing way to grow up in a lot of ways. Um, but <laughs> but um, did she, how did she feel about seeing your career sort of progress and grow and you become a very successful makeup artist? Like, did she understand? Not really, not really. At the very beginning, she was extremely against it. She thought it was completely frivolous and... And and I had a hard time with that too. I mean, uh, she, I mean, eventually she was just happy that I'm happy, obviously successful. Like she couldn't uh, put together the idea that I was going to be a lawyer and then I was a makeup artist. Like, what is that even? To this day, it's hard to talk to people. If I meet somebody new who doesn't know our industry and I explain what I do, I'd rather actually not because it comes with so many um like, oh, you're a makeup artist. You must be uh, not very smart. And all you care about is looking in the mirror and like, you know, caring about vanity, which is not what I do at all, you know? And I think it's just rather leave it, you know, rather not mm -hmm. talk about it. But um, she, uh, I mean, she's happy for success. I think that was the thing. She was happy that... Uh, I worked hard at something and that there was some kind of success to it. Anytime I showed her something that I was particularly happy with, um, she was, sure, that's nice. Yeah, good. You know, not very like, uh, we, she didn't really get into it with me that way. And I am grateful in, in a lot of ways because she put a lot of focus on education and art but high art, like reading and music. And I got a huge education out of that and also a love for it, an interest in it. And there's within those things, beauty is so much broader than just the commercial world that we are bombarded with, you know? And does the term age appropriate mean anything to you? Well, it used to, that's for sure. Age appropriate, I mean, things have changed so much, which I'm grateful for, because there there does seem to be people looking at it like that's a term that um, really boxes you in. And yeah, I guess there are certain things that you can look at and go, well, that's a bit crazy looking. But I, I wonder if it's more now age appropriate is an outdated term. And when we look at the future of what 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 fits into that sort of area it's more um 
classy or not classy? Or is that uh, um, tacky or not tacky? Where that, that used to be sort of the underlying, you know, what's under age appropriate for me. Like, oh, that's kind of tacky or you can't wear a short skirt or you can't wear makeup after a certain age or visible makeup after a certain age. Now that term, it's an irritation to me because it's, it's, a, it's a classification term that I think is useless. It really, it just puts people down. It doesn't do anything good for anyone. Hmm. Yeah, it's total restriction on people. Yeah, too many rules, right? Yes. The idea of rules um, puts you in this place of that you're never going to be good enough, and it's judgment. It's constant judgment. And I don't. I, again, after doing thousands and thousands of people's faces and looking and going, you know what? There's so many different kinds of beautiful. There is so many. And, you know, everyone says that kind of thing, like everyone's beautiful. Yeah, they are actually. Uh, it's an absolute truth. Everybody has beauty, unless you're some embittered person that refuses to see any lightness. And I haven't met that person yet. So I just think there's a lot of beauty to be seen in every single person and face and body and age. And I, I think the time of only one group of people owns that term and that sphere. Um, it's boring. It's very boring. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting thinking about how you touched on people see, people can see being a makeup artist as being frivolous. I think to me that links with age appropriate because I would say that that's predominantly like the beauty industry is predominantly, I mean, it's very much changing now, but in the past, women are predominant users of cosmetics and mm -hmm. uh, there's many male makeup artists, but I would say typically female or women and makeup are linked and like that is frivolous. And I think things being age appropriate is also linked to women, like older women, wearing short skirts and showing knees that don't look like they did 10 years ago or whatever. Yes. And those are both sort of boxed in. Yeah. I think that's part well, of it too. This idea that um, makeup is also to hide makeup is, mm -hmm. you know, you can't go somewhere looking like that. What it, usually looking like that meant no makeup. Like how can you go somewhere without your face on or whatever that may be. And that used to be a bit of a joke. You don't hear that as much anymore, come to think of it. You know, people are more open to um, a variety of looks, whether it's more of a, um, a simple, um, more basic look or something that's very out there, let's say, or, or a lot, if somebody feels like they wanna wear a lot of makeup. Mm -hmm. I think all that stuff it should be fine. It should be allowed. It should be, um, it should be uh, explored. I know that's such a big and lofty word, but for each person, you just don't know what you're going to enjoy and what's going to give you some kind of simple pleasure to yourself, which is actually super powerful unless you try it. Like I don't, when people say those things to me, because I get that a lot, 
oh, I always wanted to try a smoky eye, but maybe you could show me one day or red lips. And they do it in that whispery way. That's why I'm doing it that way. Cause it's like, it's like they're, they're, we're going to talk about it and I'm a little afraid. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like you could actually do anything whether you like it or not is going to be a different story, mm -hmm. but I don't think that should stop somebody, you know, try purple lipstick on, see what's going to happen. See how you feel. It's kind of cool. Like to, to um, freak yourself out a bit. Cause you might go, Oh, actually I kind of like this person. I like this feeling I'm having by wearing this yeah. and then take it off if you want, like whatever. And I think that exploration is celebrated a lot in like the coming of age stages of life when you're kind of trying to figure out your identity, you're growing up, you're, you know, teens, early twenties, but then that exploration is not invited or, or celebrated as much as you get older. It's kind of expected to stop for some weird reason. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I'd heard that everyone hears that you guys hear that every woman you know, kind of hears that and they think, oh, that's the future. And when I get there, it won't be like that. I can tell you it definitely shocked me when that happened, because you do have a certain kind of uh, effect when you're in the world, like going in a store or walking on set or what it may be. People pay attention to you a certain way. And then that stops. And it's very odd. It's very, it's, it's, it's not a sexual thing, not because, oh, I'm not sexy anymore. It's more, um, I got the feeling I'm old, you know, and I don't feel old. I don't even feel an age, to be honest. I don't feel on age. I just feel myself. But there was maybe five, six years ago, that I did feel that um, there's a different kind of wall being put up between me and younger people. If I don't know them very well, if it's like, you know, a clerk at a store or um, walking onto the subway or something, the uh, feeling I get is invisible. It's very strange. It's a very, and I get that we're, we are told and only shown a certain kind of face and a certain kind of person. So if you're bombarded with that, when you see somebody that doesn't look like a 20 year old and it's a woman or a man, I mean, the thing is with men, they're not taught their value is through their physicality as much as women are. Um, so I think that's part of wanting to do more in this sphere of beauty that really matters to me, showing not only myself, oh my God, least of all myself, so many beautiful women, women that are over 25. Models joke about this. They're, they're like, I have a career up to 25. And yes, it's changing, but it's still kind of predominantly up to about 25. So that tells you how many times you see an ad that's supposed to be like a 35 year old woman, you know, doing whatever she's doing or selling you thousands of dollars of clothes. She's an 18 year old. She hasn't even mm -hmm. done anything with her life. She doesn't even know who she is. And she's trying to tell you that she, this is how you should present yourself. It's very bizarre. Not that they, I, I 
find I've met so many 18, 20, whatever year olds that are super um, philosophical and teach me things. It's not about, oh, young is, is not telling me anything. It's about, it doesn't end. It just keeps going. You know, 95 years old to, you know, my nine-year-old when she was nine would tell me things. And I think it's all valuable and it's all beautiful. And if you could share advice with your younger self, what would that be? Um, I think don't, don't judge yourself so hard. Stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to, um, I mean, try on different things for sure. Try on all kinds, try them all, but don't say one is better than the other. They're just looks. They're just ideas. They're just, uh, you know. No, it's just hair and makeup. It's clothes. It's, you know, and maybe I should have tried to dress a bit sexier when I was younger. I wish I kind of did. <laughs> I was never really into that. It just, you know, I was just not. But now I look back and go, oh, I should have tried a few more mini skirts and things like that. Because why not, you know? Mm-hmm. One of the things that has become my personal sort of mantra lately. And I think I've always thought this, but it's, I've been able to put it into words <laughs> and it's, uh, I think you should care a lot, but don't give a shit if that makes sense. It's just become like, I care a lot about a lot of things, but I also think it's super important to not give a shit, like not make it this big weighted thing when it really shouldn't be. And it also brings humor into things. There should be more lighthearted humor as much as possible, especially when you're talking about how you interact in the world and your looks, let's say. So Mm -hmm. care a lot, but don't give a shit. And do you think there's a point where we stop learning and growing? I definitely think uh, it's a choice. People choose to stop learning and growing. and that's sad to me. Uh, I, I don't think I ever will. Um, you know, I, heard, I hear people say that I'm old. Oh, I'm too old for that. I don't understand what that means. I really don't. Like, when you really break it down, how, what is, uh, maybe you're too old to jump out of a plane because you broke a hip. Okay, that makes sense. But you're too old to try red lipstick. You're too old to learn something new like take a course in I don't know geometry like how is that possible I think it's a choice you you can decide that you're gonna you know start digging your own grave if you want (laughs) right Uh, I I don't know I'd rather just keep there's so many cool things to do see learn try uh I'm gonna do it all as much as I can well, thank you. Thank you. That was great. Thanks. Okay, great. Nice talking to you guys. It's nice talking Always to you. Always great I chatting. Think, um, uh, that was the first time I definitely heard your story of how you became a makeup artist. And your oh, really? And yeah. the lawyer. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, I thought yeah. I told you guys that. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's why when I was listening to Dee Dee, I was like, oh, my God. I, how come we never talked about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, my God. Uh, well, we'll see you soon. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.
So we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Simone. Yeah, we actually interviewed her uh, interviewed her first about a year ago um, before the brand even launched. So it was great to reconnect and kind of go over uh, the same questions or similar questions at a very different time in the world right now um, and hear uh, how her perspective is, you know, still similar and still hopeful. Yeah, and I think it's cool to hear also for us how it's continuously evolving. And I think this idea that things stop either at a certain point of your life or a certain age, it's kind of, uh, I was going to say demystified, but that's not the right word, is debunked uh, in listening to Simone because things are always evolving. Always changing. Yeah. Um, So thank you for listening. We have some more exciting interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks. So Stay tuned for the next episode. And follow along on yes, Spotify, subscribe, Apple Podcasts. Or you can follow us on Instagram at 1999.beauty. Uh, and tell us what you think. We want to hear from you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.